want to introduce Sharon because um, I just, I feel like it's a special time for our church uh, that we have to hear from her. I know she travels the world. She hears, she's in meetings with other leaders, uh, church leaders. So she's hearing uh, what the Spirit is saying around the world. And, and the Holy Spirit is always speaking the same thing, but in different places, it applies to what they're facing in that area. And so I know she has words for us. She'll, she'll sing for us. She'll share the word with us. But whatever she does, the anointing of God will be here as we open our hearts to receive. Uh, Pastor Bill and I went to Tulsa in 1981 and in 1981 is when pastors Billy Joe and Sharon uh, started Victory Christian Center Uh, they had been at a church previous to that but they birthed that church and uh, we we got to enjoy them as young young pastors and they were so much fun uh, to just we believe for things that I never thought anybody could believe for when we traveled with them and uh, but we saw God do such miraculous things and of course Pastor Billy Joe now is in heaven but uh, Pastor Sharon has remained on staff in that church she took that church and for five years pastored it and then her son Paul just recently this last summer became the lead pastor but she's still there as founding pastor they have victory bible college they have victory christian school they have victory world missions they have a camp victory camp they have an outreach uh into uh north tulsa where they it's called the dream center and they minister to a lot of hurting people in that area Uh, she graduated from oru but i believe that um her greatest education has come from the at the feet of Jesus. She sings, she writes songs, she's an author. But to me, she's a godly woman that you can look to and listen to and trust. And, you know, we have a lot of people speaking in the earth today. But it's so important that you know them by the Spirit. That you know that the word that they're giving has come right from the throne room of God. And then it equips us for what we're going to be doing. Um, I believe her word for you tonight is a word that's going to touch your heart, but it's also going to change your life. Amen. Would you welcome with me Pastor Sharon Doherty. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pam. Thank you, all of you ladies. Appreciate that. Appreciate you all just being so warm and loving, and you can be seated. And uh, I'm going to ask the band if you could hang out here for just a moment because I want you to flow with me. But uh, I want to sing first from a DVD, uh, music DVD, and then we'll go into uh, some things because I really felt like that to start off this evening, uh, I felt I was to um, share uh, it flow in just uh, the spirit uh, of God and healing. And, um, and so... Um, right off the bat um just i just felt this whole weekend was going to be a weekend of imparting vision vision inside of us to when pam said when she they were you know at one time with us and how that you know they began to believe that you know things that they that in the natural you know seemed impossible but you know i think that uh when we spend time with the lord and we are allowing god to speak into our lives he begins to help us get vision beyond what our eyes see in front of us. And I want you to have vision tonight. Vision if you need healing, 
Vision, if you are walking through a very difficult circumstance that needs to be changed. Vision of uh, possibly where you've um, felt like you're just uh, going day to day in a life of uh, survival or habit or routine. But God wants us to break out of where our, what we see uh, with our natural eyes, what we uh, are experiencing with just our circumstances that we're in. Because only then can God do supernatural things in our lives. So it's called believing. It's called believing. It's called uh, seeing, getting a vision to see beyond where you are. And uh, tonight, as we're sharing, I, I've thought of the scripture. Uh, this song came to me uh, several years ago, but I wanted to share it. But it's based upon the story of a man named Jairus that came to Jesus, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 18. Uh, Jairus had a daughter that was dying. And so he had heard about Jesus. And so Jesus, he knew healed people, but he thought if I can just get to him, I believe that I can get him to come to my house and heal my daughter. Well, at the same time, there was a lady that didn't know Jairus, but this lady had had a blood problem and uh, she'd been to doctors and had gotten worse. The doctors had done all they could do, said they couldn't do anything else. You know, sometimes even in our modern day medicine, there are times when doctors will say, we've done all we can do. We can't do anything else. Or this is incurable. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes people hear reports like on the plane today, uh, there was a lady sitting behind, just right behind me over here and she was pregnant. And um, I'm not sure if she was Muslim or not, kind of thought she was because of uh, the headpiece she had. But anyway, uh, I noticed her s sitting up in her seat and kind of on her tippy toes. And, and uh, so I said, are you okay? And she said, uh, well, she said, I'm pregnant. And the doctor in in Tulsa that I was going to had told me that I needed to abort this baby because of complications that I'm having. But she said, I've already had one child and it was when I was living in Houston. And for some reason, you know, on the plane we were on, they were flying us to Houston before going to Lafayette. I don't understand planes, but anyway, so here we were going to Houston. She said, so I'm on my way to a medical a doctor in Houston that helped deliver my first baby because I called and they said, come on down. We'd be glad to see you. And she said, I just thought if I could get to that person that maybe they would have a different report. I said, well, you know, I, I believe in prayer. Can I pray for you? So I just reached my hand across the aisle and this lady sitting next to her is just like, her eyes are like, you know, really big and her ears are too. And so... <laughs> I just began to pray and pray over her womb, speaking to the uh, life to that baby, speaking to her that she would uh, be able to fulfill her number of days with young and that this baby be healed and whole. And then I, I shared with her afterwards, I said, you know, I've prayed with people that are pregnant before. I've, I've prayed with people that, uh, that have been told to abort. Uh, one girl years ago, and it was 4th of July weekend. I remember this girl, we had, uh, she had been a neighbor of ours years before as a little girl. She got, as she got older, she got in, in uh, the wrong direction in her life, and she got pregnant out of wedlock. And so, uh, so we hadn't seen her in years, and she showed up at our church at a service, and she came up afterwards and said, would you pray for me? I'm seven months pregnant, and the doctor told me I need to abort. 
because the brain of the baby is growing on the outside of the head. And um, she said, but mama told me, just get to Pastor Bill, Joe, and Sharon because they'll pray for you and God will work a miracle. Praise God. You know, like we are not like spectacular people. You know what I mean? We're just believers. And we just simply believe God will work a miracle if we will release our faith. And so anyway, uh, laid hands on, on Lisa on her tummy. And I was telling this girl today this story. And I said, we prayed. And then she just believed. Now, she went to the Catholic unwed mother's home to stay until the baby was born. When the baby was born, one of our staff members happened to go up there. And uh, when that baby was born, the brain had moved from the growth that was on the outside of the head that was as big as the head of the baby. It had moved from the growth and moved into the skull during those two months. And all the doctor had to do was just cut the, uh, the growth off the back. Well, then for like that next year and a half or two, they were, of course, keeping an eye on the child on the growth process. And so uh, praise the Lord that that 10 years later, she comes to me. I hadn't seen her because she moved off to another state, never saw her again. And 10 years later, she comes and she brings this 10-year-old boy. I just thought you might want to see this was the baby that they told me to abort. And, you know, the, the kid really did have some uh, energetic problems, you know. But other than that, you know, the, the kid was normal. And I just thought, you know what? God intervened in that situation because she got a vision. Listen to me now. She got a vision beyond what she heard and what she could see on the sonogram. We have to sometimes get a vision beyond what we see, what circumstances look like around us, whether we're talking about standing for a marriage relationship or standing for healing or standing for a, a miracle intervention that only God can do. We have to get vision of that and then hold to that vision. So this lady, she said, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, this woman which had this disease 12 years came uh, to touch the hem of his garment. For she said in herself, if I can just touch his garment, I will be whole. See, she had to see that in her mind before it happened. There's a story of a man from World War II that was uh, injured and he was crippled. Uh, bullet, Two bullets in the head, in an uh, arm, and in another part of the body. But anyway, ended up crippling him. And uh, the doctors said he would never walk. He was in a wheelchair. And they said, you'll never walk. You'll never marry. You'll never have children. You'll never have a, a job, normal job. And so, you know, he, he got to thinking one day. He had been a very uh, strong athlete. And during school, he said he began to remember. He, he said, I began to think, you know, before I won a game, I always saw myself winning that ball game. I always saw myself making that touchdown before I ever did it. And he said, and it thought, the thought came to me, I need to see and envision in my mind what I believe that I can do. And so he said he read Mark eleven twenty four or twenty twenty two through twenty four, which says, "Have the faith of God. If you will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and not doubt in your heart, but believe that the things that you say will come to pass. You'll have what you say. For with the heart 
man believes and with a mouth we speak. But uh, it goes on and says, when you pray, believe you receive and you will have the things that you desire. And so there's something about seeing it in the mind. And that man began to see in his mind himself getting up out of the wheelchair, himself getting married, himself having a family, himself working a job, himself going and getting an education like other people. And he began to see each of those things because he believed that one day that was going to happen. Do you know every one of those things happened in that man's life? And he testified later, it was because he began to get a vision beyond what the doctors had said. Sometimes we have to get a vision that's beyond. Like I said a while ago, like this woman, she got a vision and she said to herself, if I can just touch his, his, just a piece of his clothes, I believe I can be healed. I can be made whole. And she did. She pressed through the crowd. She touched his clothes. He turned. He said, who touched me? And the disciples said, master, there's lots of people touching you. You know, he said, yes, but somebody touched me with faith because I felt power leave my body. And the lady then, you know, being caught, she come, comes up from behind and she said, you know, it, it was me. And he said, woman, your faith has made you whole. And so then Jairus hears the news, his daughter's dead. Don't even bother Jesus anymore. Jesus looked at Jairus and he says, believe, believe, only believe. And so he goes with Jairus to his house and... Um, and so he, as he goes to the house, he goes in and the Bible says that he um, tells all the mourners to get out. And uh, he walks in, he says, the, the girl is not dead, she's asleep. They laugh at him. But he puts them out and then he takes the girl by the hand and tells her to rise up. And as she, she opens her eyes, she rises up. And of course, the, uh, that whole story began to be shared all over the place that he had raised her from the dead. But again, envisioning, getting a vision beyond what we can see and believing that God can do a miracle. See, I'm getting a vision for our nation. I'm getting a vision. I mean, we pray every morning uh, in early morning prayer. We're praying for our nation. We're praying for uh, God to work uh, in a supernatural way. And uh, because we've got to have intervention, we've got to have miracles. But anyway, you getting a vision tonight, believe that with God, nothing is impossible. If you'll go ahead with that music video, I'd like to go ahead and sing that and then we'll flow together because I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking into lives even right now. Praise God. Praise God. Healing is here. Healing is here. Healing is here. And I believe it. Oh, healing is here. Where my help comes from 
Jesus, we thank you right now for your presence among us. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to envision right now what it is that you need from the Lord. What it is that maybe you are praying for someone else. Sometimes we feel, oh, I don't have any needs. But there's other people that need your prayer. There's other people that need your faith. But whatever it is, I want you to envision it right now, that you see God working in a supernatural way. The Spirit of the Lord is here. He's here to work. He's here to work even beyond where we are, this very place, this building. Beyond here, He can work as we release our faith in Him. And right now, Father, we come boldly to Your throne of grace. We thank you, Lord. There's mercy. There's grace for us when we come to you. And, Lord, we come to you with faith, believing. Lord, we see in our heart, we see in our mind that you can work a supernatural miracle. We bind the spirit of infirmity. I bind that spirit. I bind the destroyer spirit. We bind that spirit of destruction. We bind disease. We bind its its effect. We bind infection. We bind right now that which has been said to be incurable. We bind the lie of the enemy. We bind what seems to be what it looks like. We bind that report from having its full effect. We declare today, Lord, your report, your word, your word has been sent to heal. And so right now, Lord, we release our faith. We release our our hope, our expectancy, Lord, in the power of your spirit. You said, Lord, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now comes to live inside of us. We declare right now quickening, quickening in mortal bodies here tonight in this room, quickening in mortal bodies beyond this room. Lord, I pray right now, turn it, turn it tonight. In Jesus' name, we pray. I want you to, if you need healing in your body, I want you to raise your hand right now, right where you are. If you need healing in your body, and I want you to now touch the part of your body that needs healing. Would you just touch whatever part that is that needs healing in your body? I'm going to ask believers that are around you, I'm going to ask you as believers to touch these people that have their hands lifted, that are standing in faith right now for healing in their bodies. Some of you, yeah, just make your way around the room and and reach over. The Bible says believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That word recover has the meaning of that it is a process. It begins, but it's a process. And so we release our faith with you tonight that are here standing. We release our faith. Lord, let the power of the Spirit of God flow through these hands of believers. Right now, we bind the spirit of infirmity. We bind arthritis. We bind kidney disease. We bind the attack of the enemy that would try to damage or destroy or break down parts of the body right now. We loose right now, quickening to restore, 
Restore what's been damaged. Restore what needs to be replaced. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray for your restoration in bodies, that you would restore health, you would heal wounds. Right now, we pray healing in the heart. I pray, Lord, open up valves. Open them up. Clear the way. Lord, where there's been blockage, we speak to the blockage to be removed. We speak right now, where there's been blockage in your in your kidneys and blockage in your in your uh, uh, colon, blockage in in your digestive system. We declare right now a release and a freedom. Lord, restore, restore wholeness right now. In Jesus' name. Father, we pray for you to make things new again. Lord, you can you can work a creative miracle to create a new heart, new organs. Lord, renew, renew what needs to be made new. Father, we pray that you would bring healing to that skin. We bind the enemy from trying to cause those skin problems right now. And we speak healing to the skin. I pray right now, healing into the head right now. We bind the attack of the enemy against the brain. We loose healing to the brain. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, your Holy Spirit quicken, quicken, restore in Jesus' name. Father, we pray right now, a lifting, a lifting off of the oppression of the enemy. Father, we pray tonight that you would restore again the joy, the joy. Oh, a hope and confidence in you again in Jesus' name. Lord, quicken those feet. Quicken them. Quicken all throughout the legs, all throughout the, the knees. In Jesus' name, Lord, restore what's been damaged. In Jesus' name, re replace what needs to be replaced. Oh, Father, we pray this in a supernatural touch of your Holy Spirit in the back. In Jesus' name, throughout the spine, Lord, into the hip area. In Jesus' name, we pray healing, healing. In Jesus' name. Father, we pray. Rebuild. Rebuild what needs to be rebuilt. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for healing eyes. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. Thank you right now. Oh, yeah. Touching that mouth in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that nothing is too difficult for you. Lord, we pray your creative power, your healing, restoring power be released. Lord, to those loved ones that are not here, Lord, friends that they're praying for right now, we pray for you to turn it. Let it be evident to the doctors, Lord, that it's turned, that it's changed. Lord, that the healing process has begun to restore what was damaged, what was lost. In Jesus' name, let it be a testimony, a testimony, Lord, of your power. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for restoration. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing is impossible. Oh, nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. 
Jesus, thank you. Thank you that nothing is impossible with you. Lord, we release our faith in you, Lord. You hold our world in your hands. Jesus, you hold our personal lives in your hands. You hold our situations, our marriages, Lord. You hold, Lord, our family members. You hold, Lord, those loved ones. You hold, Lord, those that are not here. You hold them in your hands. We release our faith for your hand to cover us. And, Lord, we believe, we believe nothing is impossible with you. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise God. Let's just lift our hands and praise Him.
this is the year God is going to restore relationships. He's restoring relationships. There are people that God is healing hearts, and he's also bringing down walls uh, that have divided, and he's healing relationships. God wants you to know that you're not to let go of your faith, that God can turn hearts. If he can turn the heart of a king, he can turn the heart of anyone in the direction that God desires. And God is going to turn hearts. He's opening hearts. It's a year of openings. God is going to open hearts to one another. He's going to open hearts to his spirit. He's going to open hearts up to his callings. He's going to open doors. He's going to open doors that of opportunity, doors that seemed closed even doors that seem shut in relationships. God is opening doors. God is opening up doors of favor. God is opening uh, doors of opportunities that are going to come because of our hearts being open to his spirit. Then he's going to open up doors. He's going to open up ways where there seems to have been no way, where things seem to have been shut, things seem to have been impossible. Uh, where it looked like that uh, that was absolutely never going to happen. God is opening a way, just like the Red Sea, just like the Jordan River. He opened the way before people. And this is year God's going to open up the way. He's going to open what seems to look impossible. Uh, because God is God's going to position people. He's positioning people in this hour. Because he wants his harvest, he wants uh, he wants our lives to to uh, to have the purpose, to walk in the purpose that he's called us to. He doesn't want us just to survive. He doesn't want us just to exist. He wants us to walk out his purpose and plans. And so, Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you for your promise to us that Lord, you open doors no man can shut. You open up the way before us what seems to be impossible you open hearts you open minds you said lord you would open the eyes of our understanding you would open our hearts and minds up to see what you see to hear your voice lord tonight thank you for opening our hearts while we're here to hear what your holy spirit is saying to us in your name we pray and we release our faith amen amen you can be seated thank you band appreciate that help praise god the Lord spoke something to me that God's going to bring you into um, that abundance. Uh, you have been faithful. God says the faithful will abound with blessing. You're going to see God's provisions in some ways that you have uh, needed to see. And disappointments that you went through, God is saying because of staying faithful, God is going to restore and things that you felt were disappointments, God is saying, uh, don't don't stay there in your mind, because He's got other doors, He's got other things that He's going to open up for you. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And um, there's a lady right here in the back, and you're wearing glasses on the back row. Yeah. Uh huh. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart during the worship. He's going to prove himself to you that, um, that you've kind of, you know, questioned or you've uh, kind of felt like 
you may have not understood or you have not uh, quite accepted some things, and God is going to prove himself to you. Amen? Amen. I believe that. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, Proverbs and chapter 29, 18, I want to continue on what we were talking about before, having a vision. Vision is the act or the power of sensing with your eyes. Um, There's natural vision, natural sight, but then there's the uh, realm of imagination. You think about Walt Disney. (laughs) Walt Disney was a man who could imagine. He used his imagination, and he didn't let disappointments stop him because his uh, little cartoon uh, uh, character things were turned down. Uh, and, and, you know, ter- he was turned away. But he pressed through people's rejections. Some of you have gone through rejections. And don't let rejection paralyze you. Uh, because God wants your, you to envision that what he puts inside of your heart, don't let go of. Don't let go of. So God uses our natural sight, but he also wants us to move into that realm of the imagination that our our, our minds were given to us to, uh, to create, to imagine. But beyond that, there's the supernatural. There's the supernatural realm of vision because God can do what our natural minds cannot do. Our natural minds at times feel very limited or we, we look at ourselves as, who, me? I'm just a, a regular housewife or I'm just a regular person that shops at Walmart or gets gas and pumps the gas in my car. But you know what? God has used normal people. There's a lady in our church and her name is Nancy Huff. Nancy was a school teacher in our elementary school and God put it in Nancy's heart that she was to uh, somehow touch the children of the world. She didn't know how she would do that. But then somehow he connected her with Uh, She felt like it was going to be with government officials. Nancy said to me one day, she said, I'm just a little woman from Bixby, Oklahoma. But today, she has spoken with presidents of nations. She has has been the instrument of humanitarian aid into African nations and into uh, the uh, Asian nations that have had poverty and have, have needed help. She's been this little white lady from Bixby, Oklahoma, who somehow got connected, and she went to Washington, D.C. to pray, and somehow God began to connect her with people that, that then saw what she wanted to do, and they began to help her and then could connect her with other people. So God can take a little lady, like a silver cook. There's a lady named Silver Cook that came to our church. She was 65 years old. She had gone through her husband leaving her for another woman, 65 years old, been married all those years. Her kids are all grown, and uh, they've got children. And her husband leaves her for a younger woman and divorces her. And she's like, she's never worked outside of her home. And she's like, what do I do? She prayed. You know, it's, it's important to pray. It's important to read the Word, to have a relationship with God, with His Word. And she had this thought, move from the state you're in. I think she was living in Ohio. And he said, move from where you are to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and go to Victory Bible College. 
Well, she didn't know anybody in Tulsa, Oklahoma, nor did she know anybody where we were. But she, in faith, just sold her little house and uh, moved, packed up and moved to a strange place that she'd never lived before, didn't know anybody, and enrolled in Victory Bible College. And most of the students were like in their 20s. And here she's 65. And so she goes through a year of that school. And then they say at the end of the school, you, if you're going to stay and go into the second year, you need to know what area you feel called to. So she felt called to missions. And so uh, she entered into the missions training uh, school uh, branch. So she, she learns all about missions. And in that, that branch, they said, by the end of this year, when you graduate from this uh, from from the the college here, you you need to know what country you're going to. Well, you know, she had been, she she'd never been out of Iowa or Ohio where she was from. Came to Tulsa. I mean, she doesn't know countries, you know. But she by this time she'd been learning countries. She prayed and felt like God drew her heart to Uganda. So, this little white lady. The reason I'm saying that is because God can use black ladies, white ladies. He can use all kinds of it. I'm going to tell you some more stories. But anyway, so this little lady who's been divorced, her husband's left her for another woman, and she's, she could have been devastated. She could have been frozen where she was. But she had, she got vision inside of her heart. She had a sense of, you know, if I can just get from here, A, to B, then I'll get to C, and then D, and then E. You know what I'm saying? And so step at a time. So she ends up going to, moving to Uganda. Now she, you know, sent some letters out. She didn't know very many people. She just sent some letters out, you know, about support. But she went out to Uganda and she met with some of these pastors. And she said, how would you like to have a Bible school in your, in your church and to train up leaders? Oh, yes, we would love to. I would like to be in that Bible school. Many of the, most of the, all those pastors said. So she began to raise up Bible schools. Today, she's raised up now over 50-something. I'm trying to remember how many she's got. 60, 60 Bible schools in the nation of Uganda from age 65 to age 80. And uh, she now presently has 1,500 students, I think, or more but uh, in these schools. But uh, here's a woman that didn't end her life because of a a testing time, a devastation, something that tried to paralyze her. We live in a world that is a fallen world. In this fallen world, it was affected because of Adam and Eve. When they fell in the Garden of Eden to sin, it, 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 it wasn't just that they took the fruit. It was the fact that they disobeyed what God had said. And so it opened the whole world up to everything of the devil. The devil then had a freedom to do whatever he, he desired. Before that, he didn't have that freedom. He, he came to tempt them, to deceive them. But by then, he got the dominion in the earth that God had given them. And so uh, they lost that dominion. And then, of course, God made provision through the blood of animals for them to approach him and to come to him through those years until his son would come as the Lamb of God. But we live in a fallen world. And the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, uh, Paul wrote, he said, the earth groans for the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God, that God 
uh, that the very earth itself knows that there's a day coming when this earth is going to change. Uh, there will be a new heavens and a new earth. But until then, we have tornadoes, we have hurricanes, we have earthquakes, we have sickness, we have, um, we have uh, tragedies, calamities, accidents. Uh, there's um, murder, there's war, there's hurt, there's pain. And so we, we live in this fallen world that, you know, try, the devil, uh, in fact, Paul wrote this in, in uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 17. Uh, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 2, 17. He said, we tried to come to you, uh, Thessalonians, again and again, but Satan did hinder us. So we live in a world where because of the fact that it's a fallen world, that the enemy tries to hinder us. Now, when we receive Christ in our hearts, the Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Sometimes people say, well, if he came to destroy the works of the devil, why does he still have power? Well, because the word destroy there in the Greek means to loosen, to unravel, and to untie. It doesn't mean that Jesus totally destroyed the devil. It just means that he loosened, he unraveled, he untied the devil's power from controlling and dominating our lives. And so uh, understanding that the more we get a handle of God's word in our lives, the more we have a sword of the spirit to overcome the enemy in the world that we live in. But we still have this hindering, this hindering force it's why First Peter says, be sober and alert, First Peter 5, 8, be sober and alert uh, and watchful because your adversary is like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour, whom you must resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that these same tests and temptations and trials are, are affecting uh, believers all around the world. But God will strengthen you. He will help you if you will keep your focus, if you will be sober, if you'll be alert, if you'll be aware. And so we're challenged in the, in the world that we live in, even though there's obstacles, there's hindrances, even though there's an enemy, an adversary, one that's trying to stop us from fulfilling the plan and purposes of God. God still is helping us to move through that, move around it. There's a lady, young black woman named Pat, I don't know if Pat has been here, uh, Pat Bailey Jones. Okay. But anyway, Pat came 20 years old as a single parent mom. Her husband had left her for another woman. And here she was, just 20 years old with a little, little three-year-old child. And she felt to come to our Bible college. And she came and, and uh, felt called into missions. So she came to uh, focus on the missions. People said to her, you are a single parent mom. You are 20 years old. You, you, don't, you don't go as a single parent mom to the mission field. She said, well, all I know is God spoke to me. You know, every one of us have got to get a word from God. You've got to have a relationship with him to get a word from him. Her parents told her. Her family members told her, stay here. She was living in uh, North Carolina at the time. And they, they, uh, they owned a business that... Uh, was prosperous, and they said, you know, you can work in this business, and we'll, you know, make sure that you'll have it, 
have it good. She said, no, God didn't tell me to do that. God told me to leave, to go to Oklahoma. They said, there's rednecks in, in <laughs> Oklahoma. She said, all I know is, is that God told me to go to this place and that I'm then to go and, and, and I'm supposed to go on the mission field. She'd heard of T.L. and Daisy Osborne, and so she, she raised her money to go on one trip with T.L. and Daisy, and T.L. and Daisy canceled the trip at the last end. She got a ticket that she couldn't get her money back. So she just decided to go alone over to one of the African nations. I can't remember which one it was at the time. It may have been Cameroon, but anyway. Here she is, this young woman. Someone kept her little boy during that week that she was gone, but she went over there because she'd already got the ticket, and she felt the call of God. She goes over there, and she said, when I got out of this little plane, by the time I got from the big planes to the smaller planes to get to where I was going, she said, I got out of this plane, and there was a, par- there was a mass of people parade uh, with a band you know, and, a, and my picture from my driver's license that they had blown up, welcome evangelist pastor uh, Pat, Pat Bailey. And so she, she said, they were all just cheering for me. She said, I had never preached. I had never laid hands on the sick, you know, like she said, I mean, I'd done one-on-one with people, but she said, I'd never done a mass crusade. I'd seen Teal and Daisy's video. I had, I had seen other people do things. And so she said, I got off that plane and said, thank you, Jesus. You know, you are with me. So she said that first night they brought a demon-possessed man and threw him right in front of the stage where she was. She said... I don't know, something, it was God. God just came all over me. And the spirit of the Lord that I had been meditating on who I was in Christ, my identity in him. And she said, I jumped off of that platform. I jumped down right in front of that crazy man who was manifesting in front of me. Manifesting mean he was displaying, you know, his craziness. And she said, and I felt like the, uh, the gun guy, you know, with my two guns pulling them out. And she said, and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind you spirit of, of darkness. And so she said, you unclean spirit, I command you come out. And so she said, all of a sudden, this guy, you know, jerks and contorts and he falls. And she said, then he's out. And then she said, he came to and he was sane. And she said, by that point, everybody was screaming. Everybody was excited. And she said, by that point, I felt like... <laughs> <laughs> I blew my gun spiritually. I jumped back up on the stage. I began to preach like I'd never... Because she said, I hadn't preached like that before. But she said, I began to preach. She said, we saw miracles, signs, and wonders happen. And she said, you know, that... that really catapulted my faith. Well, today, now she's been to 130 nations. She's gone into the Muslim nations predominantly. And she said, because I'm a woman. And she said, back then, I took my son with me. Once I flew over with my little boy, she said, then we would drive in and out. I would meet people and then connect with them. Then we would drive 
across the borders into these nations. And she said, because of my son, he was so cute that the, the security guards, at, and these were Muslim nations, she said, they would pat my little son's head and, and say, you know, they were talking in their language how cute he was and everything. But she said, we would just slip on through. And she said, in all those nations, I was, I was raising up Bible colleges with these uh, different uh, pastors and ministers. And I thought to myself, she said, they, they thought a woman couldn't do anything. They weren't, they, you know, what could a woman do? What could this woman with a three-year-old do? So they'd let me on through with my little boy. And I thought, you know what? Sometimes it just takes courage. Courage. Sometimes it takes, it, it, it's, it's, we just have to believe, could God use me at my age? Could God use me uh, in my circumstances, though my circumstances don't look good? Could God somehow use my life in this hour? Yes. Yes. You know, and it could be just because you have a vision for the prostitutes in the city or just because you have a vision for the youth or just because you have a vision for children. You know, children, wow, children grow up and become adults very quickly. I was listening to a minister share, and he said, we spend a lot of money sometimes on youth, youth ministries when we ought to be spending the money on children because he said those children bring their parents, and those children also are going to be the future leaders if we grab them where they are. Not that we, we've got to reach the youth, but he said we've got to reach the children because the children's minds are formable. We can, we can help them form their thinking and their, and their views toward life at that young age that will stay with them then forever. Sherry down here, she was a missionary overseas 22 years and then came back and now she's a school teacher in our school, kindergarten four, teaching these little four-year-olds how to move in the gifts of the spirit. Tell one of the stories about one of I had a little boy uh, last year, and he didn't go to victory. They were Methodist, I think. But, um, you know, we just taught him to listen to the Spirit. I would just have them, we'd pray, and then they could be quiet after we had praise and worship and just tell me what they said. And this little boy, his family was really into rodeos, and he loved horses and the whole thing, you know. But um, so one day I just said, all right, let's just be quiet and listen. And after a while I said, okay, has anybody heard anything? And he said, Miss Peterson. The spirits say, don't fall off your horse. <laughs> and I thought, well, how profound. Don't give up. Don't quit. Just stay on your horse. <laughs> the spirits say, don't fall off your horse. Oh. Well, we know some people need to get off their high horse. <laughs> Saul was on his road to Damascus, remember, when he got knocked off. But there's some that need to stay on their horse. That's good. That's so good. But see, God, God redirected Sherry. Uh, you know, she, she had been 22 years on the mission field. And yet God said, I want you to come off. Can we hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us? Can we adjust? See, a part of, of following God and, and following his vision is that we're able to change when he says change. You know, in my life, uh, I, 
Uh, we've come through some uh, various tests and trials uh, as a family. Our family has. But um, when my husband passed five years ago, November, uh, the year before he passed, 2008, January of 2008, he turned to me. We were both praying one day uh, together. He said, I get inside of my spirit. Everything's about to intensify. Wow. Yeah, at that moment, you know, when you hear people pray, you know, you pray in and you hear people make comments afterwards. Sometimes we go, yeah, 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 okay, you know. But we don't really comprehend, you know. And so little did I realize the next year uh, that he was going to pass into eternity. And so sometimes people will say, well, well, why did he pass, you know, at age 57? I mean, you know, uh, he preached healing. He preached, you know, uh, about the power of God. Well, I've got a lot of uh, insight since that. I've done a lot of memorial services for people. I feel such an anointing when I'm at memorial services because it's the one time everybody has to think about life and death and where they are and where they're heading. And so lots of people get saved at memorial services. And so anyway, um, but, you know, what God has shown me is not only are we living in a fallen world, we're living in a world where like my husband said, everything has intensified. I mean, even since my husband's passing, I've watched an intensifying, an intensifying of sickness and disease, an intensifying of, of um, wars, an intensifying of terrorism, an intensifying of, of um, the enemy knowing, Revelations twelve twelve says, woe to the inhabitants on the face of the earth because the enemy comes down with great wrath knowing that his time is short. So we've, we're seeing this intensifying even before the tribulation because I don't believe we're in the tribulation, ladies. I believe it's yet to come. But I do believe we're in tribulating times. In fact, Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, he said, in the last days, there will be perilous times that come. That word perilous is the word in the Greek, chalipus. And chalipus is only used two times in the, in the Bible. It's used in that verse, and it's used in Matthew chapter 8, in verses uh, 26, 27, 28, right in there, where the two demon-possessed men came out at Jesus from the tombs. And when they came out at Jesus, they were fierce, the Bible says. Fierce. If you want to look at that, we can. Um, But it says they were, um, verse 28, when when Jesus was come to the other side, to the country of the uh, Gergesenes, there met him, Matthew 8, 28, there met him two demon-possessed, two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, uh, exceeding fierce. So that's the word chalipus, exceeding fierce, so that no man could pass by that way. And they begin to cry out, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son, son of the God? Are you come to torment us before the time? Because they all know that there's a time that this coming where they'll be bound. Uh, there was a good way off from them, a herd of many swine feeding. And so the devils besought him saying, if you'll cast us out, let us go into the herd of swine. And so he said, go. And then when they came out, they went into the herd of swine, and the whole herd of swine went, ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. Those that kept them fled and went their ways and told what they had seen, uh, at what had befallen the, those that were possessed of the devils, and the whole city came out to see Jesus and, uh, and besought, besought him to leave because they were scared of him. 
and his power. But this word chalipus, let me just give you the, the uh, definition of that word. It has the meaning of um, um, fierce, hard to deal with, emotionally hard to bear, unpredictable. See, demon-possessed men, those demon-possessed men, people didn't even go that way because they were unpredictable. They would just jump out. Unpredictable times. So Paul was saying in 2 Timothy 3.1, in the last days there will be unpredictable times, hurtful times that attempt to wound people. Ugly words will be spoken. Harsh uh, uh, times of great stress where people will be driven. We are living in stressful times times where people are driven, uh, things um, uh, that appear to intensify. So that's the meaning of that word, chalipas. And so uh, when we understand the times that we're living in, everything has intensified. Everything is, is, um, um, has become harder, harder to deal with. It's different than it was 40 years ago. Yeah, 50 years ago. Um, but we're living in this fallen world, okay? And then secondly, uh, we understand that we've been given authority over the devil. I knew that. We've got authority over him and over sickness and disease. We've seen sickness and disease healed. I've seen lymphoma heal. What my husband had was a leukemia that transferred into a lymphoma at the last, and it became very aggressive. Uh, there's 130 different strands of lymphoma, and it was in a very aggressive strand of lymphoma. But... Uh, we were standing in faith, we were believing, uh, and then toward the very end, those last few days, I knew my husband was sensing a draw of heaven. You know, heaven is not something for us to fear or something for us to uh, say, wow, I, I, am, I'm not, I don't want to go to heaven. You know, heaven's where we came from. We were created out of heaven. Now, in order to go back to heaven, we, we have a free will. We can choose to go there or choose not to. So there's people that will go and there are people that will go to hell. But uh, while we're on this earth, we have this responsibility to help people go to, back to heaven where they came from. And so uh, I could feel that uh, my husband had become weak. He had become physically weak. And, and uh, you know, when people become very weak physically, there is a pull of heaven upon them when they're in that place of, you know, seeing over into that realm. And people that have gone over into that realm and have come back have talked about how they did not want to come back. And, I mean, we're talking everything from uh, medical people that have died and got left out of their body and come back into their body to, to tell what took place. But we're living in times where because of, uh, you know, sometimes people can work hard. My husband lived, I think, three people in one uh, because of all the vision, the things that he felt called to do in reaching people. And, you know, there toward the end, I felt like that he was pulled and got pulled over. In fact, right that very last night, uh, my because my husband had a relationship with Brother Oral Roberts. Brother Oral Roberts had been like a, a spiritual father to him. And um, Brother Roberts had said, call me, you know, uh, I want to know what's going on. And so I called him. I said, Brother Roberts, I need a resurrection miracle. And so he's, he said, put me on the phone. He was hard of hearing at that point. And uh, he had already 
planned out his own memorial service. And my father, too. They were both kind of in that realm. And so anyway, so Brother Roberts got on the phone. He says, Billy Joe, he said, he said, goodbye. I'm going to see you real soon. And I, I'm going, I don't want this. <laughs> you know, I wanted a resurrection prayer. And so I'm trying to hold myself from hollering at that point until he got finished. And then as soon as he finished, I called up another minister friend. <laughs> I said, okay, I need you to pray. Is he still with us? I said, yes. I said, I need you to pray a resurrection miracle. So he prays a resurrection miracle. But you know, I felt brother Roberts sensed what Billy Joe sensed. And you know, uh, my husband passed within a few hours of that phone call, uh, within about three, three or four hours of that phone call. And, um, um, then brother Roberts passed three weeks later. And then my, my father passed about three weeks after that. But the point is heaven has a pull. It has a draw. When people get close to death, there is a draw of heaven. Uh, death is our final enemy, but heaven is not our enemy. <laughs> it's, it's really a glorious place from everything that we've heard and we've seen through the word of God. It's just unknown to us. So many times people fear what is unknown, but we don't have to fear the unknown. It's just that I believe God assigns us on earth with purpose. And many times there's people that live on earth and never figure out their purpose the whole time they're here. And so our purpose is not just about us. Our purpose is about other people. Esther thought, I'm sure, at first her purpose was just about her being married to the king. You know, because once she got married to the king, you know, she was just thinking. And she was a humble and, and uh, a grateful woman. She was a, a good woman. She was a godly woman. But Esther wasn't even thinking that God would use her to save a nation until that point came when Haman, who had plotted against the Jews and had uh, gotten the king to sign that, that uh, decree, then here they were, and, and here's Esther. Esther, you know, uh, she sees Mordecai, her, her, uh, uh, her uncle, and he, he's out there in sackcloth and ashes, and she says, go find out what's going on, because she knew he didn't do that normally. And so he said what Haman had said he was going to do, posted it all over for the Jews that they were going to die on a certain day. And so he said, now is the time for you to reveal yourself to the king. She kept it a secret that she was a Jew up until that point. And then um, she said, well, he hasn't asked for me. And at that time, you know, the lady before Vashti, you know, she uh, got removed. And, um, you know, if anybody went before the king, they could get killed if they weren't summoned. And so anyway, he said, uh, know you've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. You're the one that has to go before him. If you don't go, though, he said, God will raise up someone else. But he said, your own, you and your own children will die. You won't make it, you know, because he said, God... God's hand is on you for this moment. So here's Esther. She's been thinking all along. She's just supposed to be a pretty queen and a nice wife, you know, to her husband. And now all of a sudden she's forced into this position. You know, when my husband passed, I was not 
thinking. I was happy being his wife. I was happy just hanging with him. I was happy being like, you know, with him in ministry, us flowing as a couple. And then all of a sudden, I'm forced into change. See, change sometimes comes as a forced thing. It came as a forced thing for Silver Cook. She didn't expect her husband to leave her for another woman. You know, it came as a forced thing for Pat Bailey. You know, I'm just saying sometimes change is forced upon us. And we have to determine how we're going to react and respond to it. Because many times change is for us to then step up into the next thing that God wants to do with our lives. And we have to be willing for that to happen because many times I did not feel I fit the shoes of my husband or that I could do what, you know, uh, that responsibility. But in my spirit, the moment my husband passed, the very next day I heard the Lord say, you've got to step up. You've got to steady the ship. Take it forward. You are the one. And, you know, I just, okay, all right. I didn't even think in my brain all that that involved because probably if I did, I would have thought, no. (laughs) The wonderful thing was is that for me, God graced me with people that stayed on staff with me to help me with taking the ship forward. People that knew business, people that understood uh, all that we had been doing with me to help me go forward. You know, I'm grateful for business-minded people. How many of you are business-gifted? Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Would you just, you know, just st- still keep working behind the scenes? I know you're the behind-the-scenes people, but you are awesome because you make things happen. And uh, and so anyway, you know, I had people around me and that helped me. And the Lord's, and I did not know this. My husband had written a, a handwritten note. He, his mother, there was only about five times that I was not with him the, all through those two and a half months that he was either in the hospital or at home. He wanted me with him 24-7. So I would leave out. There was about five times I left out. Once was to uh, go home, and uh, I mean, a few of those was to go home and spend the night uh, in my own bed because I was sleeping on those chairs, you know, that fold out. And then uh, the other uh, few moments would have been when I had to step out to go speak at the church or uh, just to go get some clothes or whatever. Well, one of those moments I went out, his mother was sitting there, and he says, I need a piece of paper and pen. So he writes on there, I feel in my absence from the pulpit that Sharon is supposed to step forward into the pulpit. And uh, the board will need to vote on this as well to uh, be agreeable with, with it. Well, I didn't know that. It wasn't until six or seven or eight months later that my mother-in-law showed it to me. She said, by the way, she said, did you see this? I said, no, but thank you. That really helps me that I did hear God. (laughs) But another thing that my husband did that I did not know was like about five days before he passed, he called our associate pastor, who was our business minded person. He called him and uh, one of his closest friends was present uh, at that time. So both of them heard it. He said, I feel that my, our youngest son, Paul, is to be the, the uh, pastor of the church. He's not there yet. He's not ready yet, but uh, he will. And he said to Bruce, he said, I need you to be here in order for the tra- to help the transition. And uh, he said, because there's a lot of uh, factors involved. Well, at that time, all four of my children are all called in ministry. 
and they all have spouses called in ministry, and they're all anointed in the ministry. So, you know, I, I just said, Lord, you know, because my husband, his last message he preached before he passed was raising up the next generation, Ezekiel 37. Even though Ezekiel 37 is about, I mean, 38, is it 37, 38? Dry bones. 37, 37. Dry bones is actually about the nation of Israel. Can these bones live? God said to Ezekiel. And he said, Lord, you know. That was the right answer. Instead of saying, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know. And so God gave Billy Joe that, that message about the young generation. And he said, many people say the young generation, they're not, they, they can't handle it. They, they don't know how to step up and take the responsibility. And, and so my husband said, God knows. God, God can quicken and God can call, breathe, breathe his spirit into them. God can turn things. And so anyway, you know, I, as I was going forward, I knew inside of me, but then they told me about a year or two after I was stepped in that position uh, that this was what Billy Joe had said. And so uh, that helped me because I heard the Lord say to me, it'll be the fifth year. It'll be five. He just gave me the number five. So I felt it was the fifth year. So then we had to prepare for that. You know, you have to prepare for anything like that. If you don't, then it can be a mess. And so anyway, so we begin to prepare for, uh, toward that direction. Paul didn't even know I was preparing toward it until like two years before. But, uh, but you know, uh, using him more uh, in various different ways. But uh, then my, my other, my, all my children, finding where God was speaking into their hearts, what they were called. Now, my, uh, one, of, one of my children had actually come to us before Bill Joe passed and said, we feel like we're going to plan a church out. And then later, another uh, one of my children came later and said the same thing. But I'm just saying that God, uh, God will get, begin to speak and he'll begin to work in people's hearts. The important thing with what we walked through was keeping humility and keeping a servant heart and keeping, um, keeping our, our vision, keeping vision and faith in, in him, but keeping that, uh, keeping ourselves in the love of God. See, whatever God is doing, it has to be birthed from the love of God. The love of God is going to be, Jesus said in the last days, they will know that they will know me by the fact that we're one. John 17, you look at that. We're going to see the body of Christ becoming more and more united in the, in, the, in the days ahead because of what we're up against of the adversary. But, but uh, Jesus said, Lord, let them be one as you and I are one so that the world will believe in me. So that the world will believe in Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And we have to keep that perspective all the time. See, I had to keep that perspective. The Lord said to me when I... At one time, I used to lead our worship. Am I going too long? No. Okay, I used to lead our worship. <laughs> and, uh, and this was like about two years before Billy Joe passed. My kids said to me, they said to me, Mom, have you ever thought about using so-and-so leading worship? And I said, well, yeah, you know, I, I have the young people up with me, and I, I let them lead out on a song or two, you know, yeah. And, well, have you ever about, thought about them doing the whole thing? I turned, I said, uh, 
I, I said to Bill Joe, I said, do you think that I, I don't think my voice has gotten too vibrato-y. I don't think that I'm too, like, aged out. Do you think I'm too aged out? And then I started getting my, offended. I got my feelings hurt. He said, honey, it's not, you're, you know, are they farming me out to the pasture? No. It's just you're in a change. You're in a season change. You'll be mentoring more. And, uh, and so, you know, um, I remember saying something to our Bible college uh, director one day. We were talking about something else, and then I just started opening up and saying some things, and I thought, then I started crying, and I'm thinking, I can't believe I am crying in front of our staff member here. Like, I am, I'm not falling apart, but (laughs) I, I felt like, you know, I was really opening myself up, you know. He said, I don't think you're being farmed out. I think you're, you know, just, it's a different season. You're learning to mentor. And so anyway, um, with all of that, uh, the Lord brought that back to my mind. And he said, Sharon, what you walked through, because what happened was I began to release them more and more. And then when my husband passed, it was so, uh, it, it, I, because I released more and more, then they were doing all the worship and the spirit of the Lord was, you know, helping teach them, train them. I was helping, you know, to speak in their lives, but I was then able to step forward as the pastor you know, because I needed to step into that pastor position and I didn't need to be trying to do everything. Like, you know, the person that plays the instruments jumps over and they, you know, do this and they're doing that. And so anyway, but we go through seasons of our life. I am still fulfilling my purpose. I've prayed. I've asked the Lord, show me things. And I'm telling you, God is so amazing. When I talk about opening up doors and opening up, uh, uh, hearts and opening up ways. This past fall, uh, I received, a, I, well, actually last March, a year ago, March, but uh, this past fall, they finally contacted me. I had been asked by some people, would you be interested, you know, in doing like a television program for Muslim, for Muslim women? I said, well, I'd had to pull off of TV quite a bit because financially we just were having to cut back. You know, you know, when you go through times where you have to cut back because something else needs that money more, you know, we all do that. We do it personally. You have to do it as a church at times. So we had pulled off of a lot of television, and uh, we were still on local. We were on in Arkansas, and we were, uh, you know, just just barely on, you know. And so uh, I said, what, what are we looking at as far as cost? They said, well, if we can use your studio and your cameras, um, we'll do it free. I said, I'm in. (laughs) So in November, we started taping for these programs. We've been taping them January and then uh, uh, here in February. And, uh, And so what we're doing is taping, getting a bunch of programs done so that then they can launch them but they will go to 95 nations and it will be the Farsi language along with the English language because many of the Islamic uh, nations, even though they're Arabic, some uh, Saudi Arabia, of course, is Arabic, many of them speak and understand Farsi or a, a uh, branch or dialect of Farsi. And so they can understand the Farsi language. And so we have a lady, it's like the view it's like four women, and one of them, she's Farsi-speaking, and then it's us other three. And so it's been interesting because, you know, when you get that many women together, and there's two of us, 
that we have our own opinions on how things need to go, you know? And so I've had to pray for the grace of God to help me because <laughs> we both like to talk. <laughs> praise the Lord. And, uh, and so praise God. But, you know, God is opening that door. And, and, and so, you know, uh, there's other things that I'm doing, of course, you know, in pastoring still, uh, helping my son, but, uh, my sons, because both of them are, are involved. But, you know, what I see, uh, happening is even in, in change, in testing times, we're going to go through some changes. We have to learn how to adjust, but at the same time, we have to be willing to just say, God, use my life, use my life the way you want to use it. I know it's not about me. It's, it's about you. And sometimes you're going to be put in positions that you don't feel qualified. Sometimes you're going to be put in positions where you will think, oh, God, you better come through, you know. But God will divinely open those doors and divinely open that way for you because he sees your heart. Now, not everybody's going to be on TV. Not everybody's going to pastor a church. Not everybody's going to uh, travel and ministry. But there are things you are going to do. You're going to see God open doors, whether you are in business, whether you are in education. See, this lady named Nancy Hupp I mentioned earlier, the little Bixby lady, she just wrote a book about uh, taking the mountain of education and that there's seven mountains that they talk about. Have you all ever heard about that, seven mountains? Seven mountains of education, media, um, entertainment, uh, government, um, business, oh, there's seven of them. Anyway, that we, have, as Christians, we've got to take, we've got we've to possess. When we talk about possessing the land, we're talking about possessing people, but we're also talking about standing up and uh, not just letting the world around us conform us into its mold. That means we have to stand up at times. That means you may have to become the PTA leader. Do y'all have PTA? PTO. You may have to rise up and be, uh, you know, the, a representative of your district. I'm just saying, be willing to let God use you. There was a lady in Oklahoma. She was a pastor's wife, a Baptist pastor's wife of a little Baptist church. And uh, God spoke to her. She was a history teacher in a, in a public school. And she got frustrated with the uh, literature that kids were reading in the public schools. And she, she started, she said, at age seventh grade, they were reading material about girls um, having sexual relations with, um, you know, family members or with other girls. It, it was just, it was horrible. And she said, when I saw the material that they were reading, I said, somebody needs to do something about it. And the Lord said, why don't you? And so she said, I ran for, I ran for office to be a, a representative, state representative. And she's or in the, um, it would be like a local represent, uh, local, what do you call that? Local yeah, no, no, not in the school. I'm talking about in the city. Oh, city council. No, not city council. Um, <laughs> congresswoman, you know. State, uh, yeah, where she goes to her state to stand up for, yeah, issues. So she said, I won. I won in my district. She said, I was shocked. But she said, then I had to do something. 
So she has, the papers, they go after her. They try to make her look like she's a religious fanatic. She's a nut. They try to make her look like she's a bigot. She's a hate monger or whatever. But it's just simply she's standing for morality. And I'm just thinking, praise God, this little woman that wasn't planning on running for government. She was just a little school teacher. Her husband was a Baptist pastor, but she just got burdened over the whole direction of our educational system, and she decided to do something. So what I'm saying is, ladies, open your minds. Open your vision. Open your heart to the fact that God wants to use you. He wants to use you to do something that will make a difference in this world. And, you know, he may say, go back and take some courses in school. And you may say, I don't want to go back to school, you know. But God may be saying that. He may be saying, hey, do it. Because, see, my husband, he didn't want to get any more degrees. And God said, you've got to go back. You've got to get your degrees. He, it took him a long time getting his master's degrees. And he just said, I don't want any more. I don't want any more education. And the Lord said, you've got to get your doctorate. And he did not want to. And so the day of, they started a program in ORU um, of people that could come in for once a, once a month. They could just come in, pastors or whoever could come in, get uh, take some classes that one week. Then they could do all their work back where they were from. Anyway, so he, he entered that. He called and said, is it too late? They said, no, we've got room for one more. We needed a 12th person in the program. So he got in the program. And, of course, he got his secretary along with some, uh, a couple of other staff members to help him with writing his papers and stuff like that, you know, because he had written some books, but he needed them to do a lot of the legwork. And anyway, he got his doctorate. Well, then the day came when ORU went through a major, major transition and change, and he was the one that they said, would you step forward in a transitional time as president of the university? Uh, So for two and a half months, he was president of ORU when they went through the most difficult time that they almost lost the university. But praise God. And he he helped it to get to, you know, into the direction that they needed to get the, the president that they wanted to step in, Dr. Rutland. But in that two and a half months, that was what God had had said to him get that degree. Why? Because it was only because of that that those professors respected him. Sometimes we don't know why we're doing what we're doing. We're thinking, why am I doing this? It doesn't make any sense. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. And God is saying, it's because there's something ahead you can't see. Father, I pray tonight You have brought all of us to the kingdom for such a time as this. Lord, no matter what test we've walked through, no matter what difficulties that they may be in right now, in Jesus' name, I declare, Lord, vision. Vision, Lord, that they're going to get beyond where they are. And, Lord, you are going to show them steps they're supposed to take. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I just speak over you right now. In Jesus' name, you are going to make it. You've been through the fire. You've been through some tough times. And God is saying, He's with you. He's for you. He's going to help you rise above. You're going to look back and you're going to think, Thank you, God. I've grown. I've grown through all of that. And God's going to use you 
and use what you went through. He's going to use it for his kingdom, for his glory. There's other people's lives that you're going to touch. In Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because you didn't give up, because you didn't quit, not only has God brought you this far, there are greater things yet to come. Be open, be open. It may be some things that he tells you that, that you really haven't thought about or wanted to do, but God is going to speak it into your heart. Be open to him. Father, thank you right now. Things that the enemy intended for evil. The enemy intended for evil. God is going to turn for good. Just this, that's what he said to Joseph. He said, he said, when the brothers had tried to kill Joseph, they had tried to get rid of him. And, and, and Joseph ended up in prison. Well, he ended up as a slave. Then he ended up in prison. And then went from prison to prime minister because of being able to interpret a dream. And the brothers that he had had a dream of that one day they were going to all bow to him you know at that time when he got the dream he was a young immature kid but when it happened 13 years later he knew it wasn't about him it was so he could save his brothers he could save his family he could save a whole nation of people and many times we think we get a vision it's about us <laughs> it's not it's about others Father, thank you for grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you are giving grace to each woman in this place, Lord. Things she's walked through. That you, Lord, are giving her favor. I speak favor in your life. The favor of God. I pray for God to turn things in Jesus' name. And for God to make things right. He's going to make some wrong right. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for vision. Vision in Jesus' name. Coming out from where you've been. I'm telling you, God is giving you some vision. There's some people at the other end of your vision. People, people that you've got to you've got to reach. That you know. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, you're not by yourself. There's other people that are going to connect with you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are building a team. You're building a team. Some of you are going to be a team together. And God is going to use you to, do, to have an impact here in Lafayette in, in certain realms. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we stand together right now? All over this room, so you're going. Some of you, you're going through uh, testing times even right now. And you've thought, I feel like I'm a little dog paddling in water with my nose up right above it, and I feel like uh, that I, I'm 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 tired, but I I know I've got to keep paddling. And God is saying, He's your strength. You've got to keep drawing to him. That time with God each day is not wasted. It's, uh, you can't be too busy 
that you don't have that time with him. You've got to draw to him. He said he would draw to you. He's your supply. He said he would supply what's lacking, what's needed in your life. He said he would be your strength. He would be your shield, your protector. Some of you, you're walking through legal things. And God is saying he will be your advocate. He's going to help you. It's not, not that everything's going to be easy, but that he is going to walk with you through the whole process. And you're going to see God turn things for your favor. In Jesus' name. Jesus, thank you for your grace. When we feel weak, you said your grace is sufficient to us. Your grace is sufficient. If you're walking through something right now, if, it's, it's, if it has to do with a legal situation, would you raise your hand? You're walking through something? Okay. All right. Lord, I pray for my sister back there. I pray, Father, for your, your favor, your grace, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you turn what the enemy has intended for evil. You turn it. Lord, bring the witness of your spirit in the midst of it. And, Lord, I pray, turn hearts toward her, toward her, Father. Turn hearts of those in authority. In Jesus' name, we pray, Father, for breakthrough. We pray, Father, for you to reveal hidden things. Lord, cause things to come in your divine order and direction. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you sense inside of your heart that God has been talking to you about the next step, something he's wanting you to do? Would you lift your hand? All over this auditorium. Wow. Wow. Lord, I pray for every one of these that have lifted their hands. Lord, I pray now your favor. Give them favor and give them grace, Lord. Give them grace to do what you're speaking in their hearts. I pray, Lord, give them stamina. Give them the stamina to press through. And, Lord, I pray for you to turn hearts of, toward favoring them. In Jesus' name. I pray, Father, for you, Lord, to make a way where there seems to be no way. I pray for your provision. In Jesus' name. For supernatural provision and favor. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that they're going to they're gonna walk it through. They're going to see what you want to do in their lives, through their lives. You're going to divinely connect them. Divinely connect them with other people they need to be connected with. In Jesus' name. We thank you for it, Lord. Now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here tonight and you're saying, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I know tonight there's things that I need to surrender to him. I need to just surrender my, my way to him. I need to just surrender my life. Maybe you surrendered one time in years past, but tonight the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart a fresh surrender. Maybe you're here and you've never surrendered. You've, you've just kind of thought, oh, well, this is just what I believe or, you know, I show up for but you've really never surrendered your life to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to, if either one of those are you, a fresh surrender or first time surrender, just lift your hand right where you are. I'm ready to surrender my life. Fresh surrender to him tonight. All right. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed all over the place, maybe you're here and you're saying, 
I don't normally come here, but I would like for somebody to pray with me for the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've desired to have the prayer language and to be able to pray in the Spirit, and I would like for someone to pray with me. Would you lift your hand around the auditorium? Can you lift it higher? Praise God. All right. Praise God. All right. Well, Lord, thank you tonight. Thank you for your calling upon our lives. That, Lord, tomorrow, that these that are here, that they're going to they're gonna reach out to somebody else to bring them. They're going to reach out to somebody else to help them to experience the presence of God in their lives, to change their lives. And, Lord, we thank you tonight, Lord, that you've put us on earth, just like Esther, at this time for us to change the lives of people around us. And it's in your name we pray and we believe. Amen. Amen. Pam? Well, can you just say thank you to Sharon for a great night? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Tomorrow, um, we have a breakfast at 9.15. It's completely full. And those of you that have reservations for that, um, we want to get everybody in, get everybody quickly through breakfast. I know you can fellowship for a little bit, but we're going to be back in here at 10.30. uh, And Sharon will minister again in this service. And uh, I know there's some ladies that aren't here tonight, but if you know somebody who needs a miracle in their life, everybody say this, nothing is impossible. And uh, I believe this is an opportunity for people just like all of us tonight to hear whatever we need to hear, not just for our lives, but how many of you have thought of somebody that you think, gosh, I wish they were here. That's always the way it is when you get in a meeting. And so if you feel to invite them, uh, we can't have them at breakfast, but invite them to come at 1030 and be with us in the morning. And uh, I'm looking forward to what else God's got to do. Amen. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you for coming. Um, I apologize. We we have a little problem with our, what is that we have a problem with? I'm not techie, but we will have that fixed tomorrow. Okay. If you have anything tomorrow, we'll, we'll get it figured out. Let's pray tonight before we go. Would you take the hand of the person next to you? You know, we're all here and um, the love of God is in us. Uh, the, the scripture in Jude, it, it's in the very last part of Jude. It says that... Um, You know, we build ourselves up in our most holy faith as we pray in the Holy Spirit. Then we walk in the love and mercy of God, compassion of God. And that sometimes there's people that are in in such a desperate place there that we have to go into the fire to get them out. And uh, I would like you to all agree with me that we will be ready for that opportunity because I don't know about you. I see people who are so ingrained in things that it's only going to be the mercy of God, the compassion of God. And tonight, let's just all agree that God is going to use our life to be that person that's going to snatch that person out of the fire. And what God said to me was, if you haven't been through the fire, you won't be able to stand in the fire to get the people out. And I believe this is a few days where God is firing us up, but also like putting us in that kiln and firing us and making us what we need to be so that when we come out, we'll be that that strong, 
uh, work of God that we can go forth and do the things that we're supposed to do. So I want you to pray for that person on your right and your left, that the fire of God would get stirred up in them. For what God has ahead in their life, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, God said. And he said, when the work is finished and when the capstone is brought forth to his, the, the place, there'll be shoutings of grace, grace, grace. And we declare that over every person in this room. The grace of God, the anointing of God, the power of God, the purpose of God will be done fully in Jesus' name and that they will complete what God has for them. In the name of Jesus, they will have a fire burning on the inside of them that will it will go after whatever it is that God says and that vision that Pastor Sharon talked about will be fulfilled in this house in Jesus name I want you to say this after me the vision God has for me I will fulfill no devil in hell can stop me because the power of God is in me and I will succeed in that which God has called me to in Jesus' name, go and be blessed. We'll see you in the morning. Amen. Give somebody. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. In the morning, I'm going to talk about uh, hindrances, toxic uh, attitudes or hindrances that can try to stop you from fulfilling what God has said. Amen. So we can't miss that. Amen. We're going to get rid of all the toxins. Hallelujah. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.